Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Ron Kopp, ArrowheadPride.com. Welcome, Ron. Jay, really appreciate you having me on, man. Now, this has been so fun to do all offseason. Uh, you kept bringing me on, even in the season, you know, but uh, draft season, there's nothing like draft season, man. Breaking no, down isn't. prospects, all the possibilities, all the all the different things that can happen. I love it, man. I love it. Thanks and, for having me on. And please welcome producer extraordinaire, Julio Sanchez. Julio, come on down. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank You're, you very much. Nice. It just felt like introductions were proper type music. It seemed like introduction type music. You know what I'm saying? It took us a while to get there, didn't it? Like draft type music. Yeah, it, it felt like introduction type music. So good to have you, Ron. We're one week away from the NFL draft. Yes, you we were are. with me last week. We talked a lot of, uh, well, Julio, this is uh, geek out time. And you know what? It's okay now. I know you've accused me at this at times. And this is where it's acceptable. This is your platform. This is in the right wheelhouse to talk this. I think. I think I had Thor on one time, Nystrom, the draft guy, and you're like, I like that stuff, but it was like pretty detailed. <laughs> it, was like, it was hardcore. It, it was hardcore. Well, Thor will join us tonight at seven o'clock, so that'll be fun talking to Thor, one of my favorite draft guys. Yeah, in really the good, business. really good draft uh, Twitter follow. Really and good I, Twitter follow. And I have Josh Edwards from CBS. I like him too. He's the editor over there at CBS. He just put out a seven round mock, which I got a lot of respect for. I, I put out seven round mocks, but only the Chiefs. I mean, I don't go every team, all 32 teams, yeah. the NFL, seven rounds. So, and hey, I, I've got my 32 pick uh, regular mock draft for all 32 teams. And it's tough because sometimes you're like, I get this guy twice. Yeah. Like, I need to have this guy. <laughs> like, it is so easy to do. I can Hard imagine how of. easy that's to do in a seven round all team mock. Uh, yeah. We, it's, it's it's these guys, it's these it's these experts that uh, that have a lot of intel, right? You know, you're looking at you know you know who teams have met with and everything, but to put it all together, man, to go all seven rounds, uh, probably drive them crazy. To you know, you're probably going, you know, by the fifth round, you're probably like, all right, what am I doing here? You got to well, stick why? with the board. You got to stick with the board because you can't do a bunch of <laughs> trades because then you start really confusing yourself mentally. Of course, yeah, And oh yeah, we gave up a third rounder of Pittsburgh earlier. What are we gonna do now? So, but that's the thing, people eat it up, man. That's why they do it, man. Oh, they do. I, I, I love them. I, I click on them. them. I, I read them. So I mean, I read every eat single them, mock out there, and we got <laughs> I got all the uh, mocks uh, from different people. Uh, Kuiper and McShay did one together uh, from ESPN.com, and of course, Kuiper had the Chiefs trading down for Jamison Williams before, but this was interesting because they went pick after pick. So it was McShay, then Kuiper, then yeah. McShay, then Kuiper, and I'll tell you who they selected for the Kansas City Chiefs because they both had a dart to throw at the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll do that. Later on the show, and I'm really looking forward to this. Lucas Cruel, who played at Mill yeah. Valley. He played at the University of Florida, and he played at Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett was his quarterback, second team all ACC. Uh, Lucas a big dude. He visited the Chiefs, top 30 visit. He was one of the guys to visit the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a tight end, played locally at Mill Valley, won a couple state championships out there, went to Florida, graduated in like two years or three years. Yeah. Then he went and got his MBA at Pittsburgh, was a tight end for the Panthers. And an uh, interesting guy. He worked out with Kenny Pickett. Then later on, he 
worked out with the late uh, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, yeah, and I know he's a he's got a really interesting backstory. I mean, he committed to originally play baseball, uh, you know, at the University of Arkansas. He's a big pitcher, man. Yeah, and and then you know actually you know even played at another college at baseball before finally deciding, hey, I'm a, I'm gonna try you know f- football again. Somehow you know from baseball went to go play at directly to the University of Florida for football. I mean. You know, that's that's how impressive he was in high school. And I remember my, you know, funny enough, we were in the same graduating class in the same area, never played against each other, but definitely remember him dominating high school. So I am not surprised that he is, you know, a, a, a prospect that people are kind of, you know, a sleeper kind of prospect in this. Draft. I read somewhere he was at Jefferson College and Jeff said he had like 27 strikeouts in the 16 innings. <laughs> he was drafted in the 34th round by the Giants. Yeah. So he has been drafted yeah, in Major League Baseball. Right. And has a chance to go in the NFL draft this season, put up huge numbers at his pro days. I mean, very... Four five four at six foot, yeah. and uh, two hundred sixty pounds. So he's an impressive. Uh, yeah, no, he, it's it's not just the Chiefs that are like uh, that. He's a, a guy that people are looking out for. I feel like it's a whole NFL thing. He's a he's a, a wide, you know, a, a someone that you know is kind of a sleeper guy that everyone's starting to notice a little bit. Yeah, athletically, numbers. he finished top four of all tight ends, and yeah. like the vert and the forty and the shuttle time and everything else is it's insane just how good he is. But also your mock drafts as well nine one three five seven six. 7610, the Jay Southland Tow Service text line. I know you guys send in mock drafts all the time. I'm sure Ron gets a lot of them. I get a lot of them. I don't know if you do or not. but uh, Oh, it's daily. Oh, a lot of people want me to, to grade it. What do yeah. you think of this or that? Or uh, You know, I, I've learned this offseason that I'm not as big of a mock draft guy as, as like, the general, like, you know, the the, the typical uh, football nerd draft nerd is. I just, I don't know. I don't do as many mock drafts as I feel like a lot of these guys do. I see them every day. Uh, and our Arrowhead Pride Slack chat guys are sending mock drafts every day. I just I I, I don't like doing it too much because I feel like that you know a lot of the simulators don't have the 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 value right in my opinion. You know you're yep. you're picking you know uh, you know guys that aren't going to be there and and picking guys at 62 that you don't even think are going to be there at 29 or 30 because it's not updated. Yeah, no, I don't know, but it, it is fun to see all the different mocks, all the different possibilities. And you mentioned the seven round mocks, man. Yeah, I, I just, how do you even know some of these seventh round prospects you're, you're drafting a, a lot of the time? You're just throwing darts, but that's what it's all about, man. That, that's why I love mock season. And the Chiefs have three seventh round picks, so they're gonna, you know, they're gonna use something with them. Well, it, it's fun, it is what it is. And Pro Football Focus and Pro Football Network, all these places have draft simulators. Yeah, exactly. So you can get in there and play around with it. I like to put one out. I put 4.0 out today, yes. 610sports.com. And, and I'm not real wishy washy, too. What I do is, a series of one, 1.0, 2.0, and I call them mixed guys in. I'll, like I've had Boye Mafe uh, in the first round, a couple of them, and I have Christian Watson. A lot of them, did he make four or not? But I put an and or in there as well because yeah. there's another receiver I really like. Kind of off the beaten path, a lot of you know questions, will this be a first round or not? And I like to pick guys where you pick them because if you miss on them and somebody else gets them, you might be kicking yourself later like I had a chance. Like all the people slept on Cooper Cup going to third round, yeah. they're like, could have had this guy in two straight rounds. I mean, he's a first-rounder. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. Cooper Cup is a first-rounder. At that point, you draft a guy from Eastern Washington, and people are saying, what are you doing? Or you're getting Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois, yeah. and he's become one of the best safeties in the National Football no, that, League. That's actually a really good point because I, I do think there's a lot of value in, in just these smaller school guys because no matter how good you do at a D2 level, like at, at some point a team's not going to trust you enough maybe to, to take you in the you know a high pick, second or third round, uh, maybe is the highest you can go as, as a small school prospect, right? And so someone that the Chiefs have actually met with that I've highlighted on the site for Arrowhead Pride is Fayetteville State's cornerback uh, Joshua Williams. He's a, a bigger build, big dude, but he played at a D2 level. And, you know, some, as someone that likes to watch, you know, a, a full game, a guy, a, a, some all-22 film, if I can get it, you can't find it with, with a D2 guy. And so I, I do think there's there's something to that where, 
you know, just because he didn't play at a D1 level, just because there wasn't a lot of exposure, he just can't go that high. So you automatically are getting a value because, hey, what if, you know, he, he might be as talented as some of these other guys. It's just so hard to tell when he didn't play at a D1 level. It may have a chip on his shoulder. Now, Cooper Cup right. was kind of different. I, I love these mock drafts. I had him mocked the Chiefs a few times because he led the all-time yeah. leader in the NCAA in receptions. Crazy and stats. You don't do that by accident. Like, yeah. you don't – I don't care what level you're playing. It's right below, you know, Division One, And, of course, North Dakota State, I have no problem picking somebody from there. They play Division One teams. Yeah. And they just win national championships, and they keep filling their fingers yeah. full of, of, of winning national titles. So I have no problem doing that whatsoever. I don't like to be wishy-washy either. If I, I pick somebody and I really like them, I don't like to all of a sudden take them out and put somebody else in because then it's like, did I really like them or was I just lying about how much I liked them well, before? But the second and third round, I do switch things up quite a bit from guys earlier on or maybe new guys that I didn't pick that I'm well, like, okay, let's, let's, let's find the best picks I like in the second, third round, fourth round, and we'll throw them in to this mock draft. So not a lot of changes in 4.0. Yeah. Well, you? Yeah. No, North Dakota state's kind of different in my opinion, because you're right. They are looked at as, as closer to a D one program than, than someone that's actually at a D two level where it's, it's, it's not even FCF it's division two where you're, you're playing in front of what thousands of fans at the most. And uh, FCS does play division one all the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, North Dakota state's beaten KU and K state. Yeah, exactly. So no. So I, I think North Dakota state doesn't get that same level of the value of the player. I think, you know, you, you see guys go, you know, pretty high for North Dakota. I mean, Carson Wentz was one of the top picks in the entire NFL draft. Um, Trey Lance just last year as well. So, yeah, but but other schools, I really do think, like, just because they're, you know, there's and there's a lot, of, especially at the cornerback position. I already mentioned Joshua Williams, but another guy, Zion McCollum, Sam Houston State, you know, that's a lower level of, of school. He's going to go lower just because of the school he went to, and he may be as talented as some of those guys. Montana so, State is a linebacker. That yeah. Talking oh, about man. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he, is, he has become a really hot name, so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a little overdrafted because, uh, you know, he's, his numbers were insane, um, and the NFL loves those kind of guys. Just You know, he's, he's almost like Taysom Hill, but, you know, maybe just, you know, on the defensive side of the ball where you can kind of throw him wherever. So we'll talk about that, then I'll uh, let you grade my mock draft coming up here. At 6.15, you gave me a B-plus last week. There's a few t- changes and tweaks. I'll try to talk you into these picks. Yeah, I like, I'll try it. to talk you into them because that's what I did last time. Arnold Ebicady was a guy that I tried to talk you into, and you did this great profile on him. You were yes. already planning to do it, but <laughs> you had this great profile on him coming. I was like, oh, this kind of reinforces what I did. And the old Juice team just came out. Yeah. And Charles Robinson uh, did uh, it, with a group of people from Yahoo to honor the late, great yes. Trez Paler to put out the old juice team every year. And I really missed that from Therese Paley. That's the stamp of approval. If, if your guy, uh, if you're mocking a guy and he's on, he's on that list. I mean, you got to feel good about your, your, your mocking there. Uh, yeah. That's, that's always a must read every, every year on the Yahoo site. But yeah, no, I, I, I really like Eba Katie and I know we're going to get into it, but I, I think it's just so important to chief draft edge rusher in the first round. And, and he just seems to be one of the most exciting prospects now like that that's the thing that doesn't mean you're the best prospect that doesn't mean you're the safest or the guy that's gonna you know for sure turn out the the best but it does seem like he is the most exciting just because his his juice as a as a pure edge rusher flying off the line of scrimmage getting around the corner so i you know he, he is one of the most exciting picks for sure out of all positions any position you could take in the first round and uh we mentioned troy anderson doing montana state yeah, i think yeah. i did bring that up okay good stuff so we'll do that we'll do mock 4.0 it's over at 610 sports.com right now we will do this and then talk to Josh Edwards, CBS, coming up at 6.30. We do all this next on the Chiefs Draft Special. You're listening to Bink's NFL Draft Special on 610 Sports Radio, brought to you by Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Welcome back to the Chiefs Draft Special. Jay Binkley with Ron Kopp, lead analyst over at ArrowheadPride.com, and Julio Sanchez. we got a lot to get to the next three hours, all NFL Draft, so that's what we're doing. It's, it's Chiefs Draft Special, so it's all going to be NFL Draft. You might say, well, you just talk to draft the whole night. Well, it's a Chiefs Draft Special. We had the Royals this afternoon. we got the Chiefs Draft to talk about now because that is a huge topic at this point. Man, anyone saying you can't fill up three hours of draft talk has never met me and Jay Binkley. So no. I, I, or never met you, especially, because I, as long as I've known you, as long as I've been uh, growing up in this city on uh, listening to 610, you can talk some drafts. So any, anybody not knowing that we can fill up three hours, uh, they, they, are, they are new here, I would say. So 4.0 came out today, Mach 4.0. Um, put it out just a little bit ago. You can check it out at 610sports.com. And I don't like to be wishy-washy, as you know, Ron, but uh, uh, the last two mocks, I didn't earlier, but the last two mocks, I went with Arnold Ibikati, the uh, edge from Penn State. I really like him, and I- I'm to the point where it's like, do I really want to trade up to get a Jermaine Johnson or just stay put and hope that Carl Loftus falls to the Chiefs, which I don't think he is. And uh, Karloftis kind of reminds me a lot of Tamba. I mean, he's got that edge. Maybe it's the Penn State in him. I'm not sure. But he led the uh, Big Ten in tackles for loss with 18 and a half. Yeah. Had nine and a half sacks. He's a guy that did make that old juice team. Yes. And But it's not why he's on my team because I liked him before that. Um, but 28 uh, and a half tackles for loss in his whole career was at Temple. Transferred to Penn State. Uh, Mill Kuyper absolutely loves Arnold Ibikati, who could make it to the second round. Well, yeah, the thing I'm I'm surprised the Tomba Hall comp doesn't come up more often with him because I feel like it makes a lot of sense. I, I know Tomba in college he was more of just a straight up four three D and Ibiketti nope. uh, was was more of a stand up guy, maybe more of a, an outside linebacker. Um, but at the same time, yeah, they they are kind of similar players when you think about Tomba, just a pass rush specialist, man, just flying off that ball, knowing what to do when he when he gets engaged with the offensive tackle, the handwork. Obviously, Ibiketti as a as a young player, he's he's not, he doesn't have that Tomba handwork yet, but he's he's someone that's a raw young football player, not completely raw, but someone that can work on that and has the raw skills to really become a really good player. I think it's a guy that could contribute and be a in the rotation right away. Right away, yes. this is not somebody you have to wait on like Ojabo or something like that if he's not ready with the Achilles. But this is what Mel Kiper had to say about him earlier. Arnold Epiquette, Todd, still remains to me one of the guys I like. I, I think he's deserving of being in a lot of these first-round mocks. He's deserving of being a guy that you think is one of the best 35 players in this draft. Nine and a half sacks off the edge, 18 tackles for loss, two forced fumbles. James Franklin loved the fact that he came in from Temple, and he showed, like, up in here for three years. He came in humble, ready to work. He got that locker room right away. He went on that practice field and worked hard. Arnold Ebiquette has the mind, the makeup, the mindset, the physical and athletic ability is there. The production this year and at Temple was pretty good. It was great at Penn State this year. I think when you look at an outside backer getting off the edge, you provide some versatility, okay? Arnold Ebiquette, to me, is the guy, if he gets into the second round, Todd, uh, I think he's a heck of a pick. It could be a late one, but I still really like what Arnold Ebiquette will bring to a defense in terms of getting after the quarterback. You know, and this guy has the leadership ability. He went right into Penn State, and they all, you know, liked him. And he's got that that thing you like on, on a team, you know, mm-hmm. that leadership quotient, and he's got that. I mean, it, it, cares, it counts what he does on the football field. But being a leader of men counts as well. I've mentioned it before with you, but yeah, 
two programs that you want to find guys from. I think Temple and Penn State are about as two good of programs. You're talking about the the culture there. Temple has a really good culture in terms of just their their uh, you know their strength and conditioning program. And Penn State it takes it to another level. So yeah, if you're if you're gonna find a guy from two schools, that's the way to do it. And I do want to point out real quick because I have all the stuff printed out. Might as well use it, right? Uh, you bet. The consensus big board, which is something that Arif Hassan of the Athletic puts together every year, which is it, it, all the ex- experts putting together their big boards into one consensus big board. Ibiketti is actually number fifty. So he's actually kind of underrated, um, in my opinion. I would put him closer to the top 30 in the big board. But he's number 50 on the consensus uh, experts big board, which is surprising to me. Yeah, and I'm sure Mel Kuyper likes him, though. He's, yeah. he's been talking about exactly. him being a first-round pick. And um, there's, just, there's just a lot to like about this guy. And I look at the end of the first round and think, okay, who could they really get yeah. an edge uh, to make a difference for this team? And I think he's the guy that I – I like him better than Boye Mafe, and I okay. like some of these other I picks. I do, too. But I like him better than that because he had production the whole time. Boye was sometimes tough to find the production. I like watching Dontari Poe film. Now, if you just watch the Senior Bowl, he shined. He was a national team defensive MVP. So Boye Mafe shined in two yeah. sacks in that game. But again, I'm going for full production. And he blocked two field goals. <laughs> and his three cone time yeah. is six nine five, which is better than Jahan Dotson, a wide receiver from Penn State. He had a better broad jump and a better vertical and a better three cone time. Then their safety, Jaquan Brisker and Jahan Dodson. And it would have been top five wide receiver yeah. at the combine if he put that. That, that is. Huge for a dude that big. Well, no, anything under seven seconds for a receiver is actually really good. Anything under seven seconds for any other position is insane. And so, yeah, that, that is crazy. And I do, and I do want to point out too, just the fact that, you know, you, we talk about Penn state players. I mean, you know, yeah, Brisker, Ibiketti, you know, there's other guys too. Jesse played it uh, down, down the road. So yeah, Penn state puts out a lot of guys, but I do want to get into your, your second first round pick too. My second first round pick staying with Christian Watson. Mm-hmm. I've stayed with him. I thought about coming off because he does have a high drop rate, but his athletic profile is off the charts. His athletic profile is off the charts. Some people have him go as high as 22, yeah. 23. And he's not Olave. He's not Garrett Wilson. He's not Jameson Williams. But at the end, could he end up being just as good as one of those guys and you put him at number two or three receivers in two years or three years? I think he could uh, end up being in there. But I like the speed. I like the fact that he had 57 plays of 20 yards or more. That that wow. just That's an explosive that is a big player. stat. Wow. And I like the fact that he blocks. And I like he's six four and runs a four three six. That, <laughs> yeah. that helps too. Yeah, yeah. That's a good fundamental to have or a good foundation to have. No, yeah, that, that's the thing. It does seem like he's definitely gonna be someone that's there. I, I don't think we have to worry about I mean, I know you just said he, he he's gone earlier in some mocks, but it does seem it like him like twenty two. Yeah, something. it does seem like he's going to be at twenty nine or thirty if the Chiefs want to take him. So or in I the do, second round, I do think yeah, exactly. And actually, the consensus big board again has him at the forty seventh position. Yeah. So again, he he is you know in terms of what the draft community thinks of him, he is more of a second round pick in in the top. But that doesn't mean what the NFL thinks of him. So it'll be interesting. But you, the other guy, I want the other yeah, the other first round, of. I have Sky Moore. Yeah, and this is a guy that I had to really, really think about. He's 5'10", 195 pounds. Some people tell you he's the best route runner of the bunch. Yeah, of of the bunch. Even Garrett Wilson, Jameis Williams, everybody, the most crisp route runner in the draft. Uh, 171 catches in three years. Great blocker as well. Who can be used? I know they brought in Juju and MVS. So this is my thing. Okay, do they need that six two, six three, six four size? No, because they brought those guys in. Yeah, this could be that he. He's a guy that catches everything. He's got quickness as well. But uh, a lot of people think he's a first-round pick, and even Chris DePasso of CBS says if he doesn't go in the first round, two to three years, you'll agree he should have been. 
Yeah, no, he definitely does seem like he, he's such a technician in terms of his route running. It's so hard to know how effective it is when you're playing at Western Michigan rather than an SEC score. Because yeah, I fell for Dwayne Eskridge. Yeah, but I, I think it is a little different, though, because I do think Eskridge is a little more gadgety than Sky Moore is winning as a true receiver. He's winning on, you know, breaking guy off on a slant, you know, running great routes. It, you can see that. So Probably the best route runner, in my opinion, in the bunch. Yeah, and I've actually, you know, th- this isn't a comparison that I thought of, but, you know, someone brought it up. Uh, Nate Tice of the Athletic mentioned Julian Edelman as a comparison when he thought of, when he watches Sky Moore, just that route running, that ability to get open over the, sh- you know, quick and short areas of the field, man, I I could see it just his technician, just the way he the way he works in the sh- uh, middle area of the field. And I found this interesting too from NFL.com. Mark Ross, who is a personnel guy, not only for Andy Reid back in Philadelphia, but he's with the Giants for two of the Super Bowl wins. Okay. He was he was director of college scouting and everything else. He works for NFL.com. Brought him on a few times, but he's he's a Princeton guy. Played football there, but he was in the front office twice with the Giants for Super Bowls. So he's got two rings. And he says, "quote I've been saying for months now, Sky Moore is my favorite player in this year's draft." Whether big school wideouts are locks to go in round one, Moore has the under the radar prospect at the start of the pre-draft process. He can match any of those uh, receivers like Jameson and and Drake London, those guys, intelligence and skills. He has the talent and confidence to be a winning starter no matter where he is drafted. So that's coming from a personnel guy. Man. It's won two Super Bowls in the NFL. I know it, it's actually him for me, him and Watson. It actually is a tough, uh, it's kind of a toss up for me a little bit. I, I like Watson's size and stuff, but man, Sky Moore can really get open. He's a really, he's someone that can come in right away. I feel like can create separation at the NFL. Level. And if you could play taller than he is, I mean, that's what, yeah, that's what uh, Tyreek did. Former played, quarterback too. He played, yeah, played yeah. taller than what he was. Chiefs draft special. Yes, I was saying seven picks next year, but of course, there's going to be the Ryan Poles extra pick. Yeah. The comp picks haven't decided. They'll probably end up, honestly, they'll probably go into it with about 11 picks. Well, yeah, it's no. about nine now with the comp picks. And Tyron Matthew, if he would have signed somewhere, that would have been. No, yeah, seriously. I think right now, since they haven't really had made, made any big contract signings this offseason. And those could be anywhere from third to seventh. Yeah, yes, yes. Third is the highest. But, you know, they were in a good spot, but. Tyron not signing that big deal yet has kind of screwed them in the comp- the comp- uh, the compensation pick formula. And I feel like he may end up signing some cheap one-year deal to prove it, you know, prove himself again or something. I I think he really wanted a big deal and he was really holding out for it and he's not getting it. Um, so it's, it's kind of screwed the Chiefs in the comp formula. Huge thanks to Thor Nystrom uh, from NBC uh, Sports Edge. You joined us talking mock. Josh Edwards, CBS Sports, and Lucas Cruel, the tight end from Pittsburgh, looking to be drafted uh, this season for joining us. Some of these mock drafts are out, Ron. I like to go through uh, some of these mocks and just tell you what guys are doing. You already know what I'm doing, Arnold. But Katie, yes. in a combination of Christian Watson or Sky Moore. Charles Davis. Love Charles Davis' um, analysis of uh, NFL work. I think Charles Davis is one of the best, to be quite honest with you. He just put his mock out. He's got Christian Watson going at 29. That's a familiar name. And Boye Mafe going to the Chiefs as well. So he went wide receiver and edge. Uh, Ryan Wilson from CBS went Karloftis and Kyle Gordon. Kyle Gordon's getting a lot of run lately. He's the second corner at Washington with Trent McDuffie. Mm-hmm. It always concerns me getting a second guy from a defense like Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie because who's who's the real deal? Who yeah. are they picking on? Who are they not? Yeah, because I go back to Ryan Sims being picked by the Chiefs, same draft as Julius or Julius Peppers going number two, and the Chiefs did the same thing with Eddie Griffin, right? And Brian Thomas, same defense from UAB, and they get the wrong guy. They get the wrong guy twice in that same draft. But uh, Kyler Gordon's or Kyle Gordon's been a guy mocked the Chiefs a little bit. But 
Washington's becoming defensive back you. Yeah, I no, guess they, at they, this point. But I'm always hesitant when there's two corners from the same team. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And there's another pair uh, this year that I but like. He could be the best one. I mean, yeah, I don't right? know. Maybe it's not McDuffie. No, maybe Kyler Gordon's a, a big play or, you know, kind of an exciting player, a flashy player when you watch him. Um, he's not a typical, uh, you know, a guy that I would think of for a Chiefs outside cornerback, but he's definitely a guy that can play in the slot and, and give you just some playmaking ball skills. You know, he, he's made a. Brian Stewart, you know, a great AP contributor has, has highlighted a particular play of Gordon's on Twitter where he extends like he's Julio Jones and, and taps to get an interception. I mean, he's a, he's a, a ball player for sure. So he's going to go in that late round, that late first round range, probably early second. But I, I do think it's interesting because you said Ryan Wilson of CBS, but also Peter Schrager has those same two guys, Carl Loftus and Kyler Gordon. Carl Loftus, if he's there, man, I think that's a really oh, Peter really, Schrager from NFL Network. Yeah, he did the same thing. Yeah, and I and I really like Carl Loftus at twenty nine or thirty. I don't think you know at, at, when he was a top fifteen ish pick. I you know I, I don't think he's that exciting of a player where you want to spend a top fifteen pick on him. But bottom of the first round, man, I think that's a really good value for Carl Loftus. And yeah, he may not be the most exciting pick, um, but he is a really young player, a guy that hasn't played football that long. And you see that raw power, that raw kind of burst with with that, you know, that mass, that size. He's a, he's a big dude and, ha- and has some some burst, you know, may not be the most technically refined player. And and, yeah, he might be kind of a low ceiling guy. But I, I really think at the bottom of the first round, a guy that can come in right away. George Kaloftis is really intriguing to me. So I'm glad we're seeing him maybe going there. I mean, I, w- I would have mocked him, but I was a little bit afraid yeah, of him sliding exa- down. But more and more of these mocks have exactly. been there. And I'm not sure that he lasts that long because. You're looking like Vegas odds and stuff of him being the top 18 pick. I mean, I know. And that's the thing. But that's why I take Schrager, you know, Schrager doing him there makes, you know, makes me think maybe there is more of a chance because I really think Peter Schrager is one of those plugged in guys. No, I'm with you. And then Kuiper and McShay did alternating picks where Kuiper picked and then McShay did. They had Jahan Dotson and David Ojabo, mm-hmm. the uh, hurt player uh, from Michigan in their uh, dual mock. Kuiper alone when Andrew Booth Jr. and Karloftis. So there's mm-hmm. another one. Uh, for Karloftis, Todd McShay went Chiefs trading up to get Jamison Williams um, with the Chargers and then took Boye Mafe at 30, but I don't think the Chargers are going to trade the Chiefs. Then Maurice Jones-Drew uh, from NFL Network, the former player, did his today. <laughs> this is a wild one. Debo Samuels traded to the Chiefs. So that's uh, they take their pick. Um, they pick take 29, and they take Karloftis at 30. So they, yeah. That was yeah, MJD's no. wild uh, trade. Yeah, see, that's 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 no, no. I don't I don't want to see that happen. I know I know it is an exciting thing to to think about the Chiefs getting Debo Samuel, but the Chiefs have made it a emphasis this se- this off season to get younger and cheaper. And I know Debo Samuel is still a young player in this in the NFL. I'm not trying to say he's a, he's not, but I just think they've emphasized the cheaper part of it too. And Debo Samuel, after the season he had, where he what he did have a good argument to be an MVP candidate last year. People talk about Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup. Debo Samuel had a very good MVP argument last year for what he did with the Niners. And so I think he's we're just seeing his peak value right now. And and I don't think in the in a vacuum, you know, who the player is, he's worth a first round pick and paying him. He's not that kind of player, in my opinion. He's just not that that valuable. Um, he's a really good player, but not to that extent. So, uh, Pro Football Focus, Sam Monson had Drake London and Boye Mafe. I'm not sure Drake wow. London. Wow. I'd plugged. love me that some Drake Sam, London, man. Sam's pretty plugged in with Pro Football Focus. So Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe this, but yeah, I and don't. I know PFF likes to do their uh, mocks where they, they do uh, what they think should happen or whatever. So, yeah. maybe that's this case. But, no, Drake London is my wide receiver, too, in this class, just behind yep. Garrett Wilson. And he is just such a playmaker at his size, you know, being able to bully corners, but also, in my opinion, be able to shake some dudes 
create some separation more than people give him credit for be a big slot guy. He, you know, there's, there's a, there's games you watch him at a USC where he's exclusively in the slot and, and play, you know, getting bubble screens, getting passes in space and making people miss. That's what I really like about Drake London. I think people don't give him enough credit for being a, a guy that can move uh, before and after the catch. Vinny Iyer, Sporting News, had Traylon Burks and Boye Mafe. Uh, a lot of people Mafe. He seems to be the consensus one. Yeah, because I think I think what it is is he's he's got the size and he's got a, a lot of potential. Um, you know, he, he was used kind of more as a three or four outside linebacker in college, but he's 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 a big guy. You know, he's not he's not he's not small and he was really athletic. So I, I, it makes sense. But he is still more of a projection uh, into the Chiefs defense a little bit. So some uh, interesting mocks there, and coming up later, we'll look at the. Uh... The prop bets, the over-under on the uh, yes. the draft slot that players will be taking, take the over or under. We'll go through some of those as well. But coming up next, I still need to get to uh, second-round picks and hear Ron's opinion on those. And we'll hear Ron talk about receivers, edge rushers, you name it. Your questions as well, 913-576-7610. Jay Southland, Toe Service Text Line. We do all that next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Chiefs draft special, Jay Binkley with the lead analyst of ArrowheadPride.com. Ron Kopp, Julio Sanchez producing the operation. What's coming up on Arrowhead Pride now, Ron? I know you guys have been uh, busy with your uh, your breakdowns, your mock yes. talk, all sorts of different uh, fun stuff leading up to what's going to be a ton of content next week. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, our team has been so busy this offseason. I, I can't um, I can't even describe how much help they've uh, we, we've had at the site. Everyone's so into the draft this year. Rocky Magana doing all the mock drafts. Christian doing a horizontal board on the with the draft database. Uh, you know, Jared Sapp, just such good uh, knowledge with with how the compensation formula works and the free agency stuff, the cap space. Man, AP is is as stacked as it's ever been with with good uh, guys that just know their stuff, know football. I love it, man. I love it. So yeah, we've got plenty of stuff coming next week. We'll be live during the draft picks. Although I don't want to steal your shine, man. You'll be live too. So you know, I did. I'll be live too. We'll have a lot of fun with it. Uh, we'll be doing a lot of uh, player profiles and uh, hanging, looking at these different guys and picking them and talking about them and. What we're going to do now, because the NFL player props are out. Um, Desmond Ritter is one, the quarterback, obviously from Cincinnati. Um, interesting one with Desmond Ritter. He's 30 and a half, his draft position. I'll take lower than 30 and five. I'll take the under because I think some of these quarterbacks, there's going to be a run on them. Yeah, Ritter is my QB one in this class. I really like Malik Willis. I, I think his talent is someone. That, something He's nine that, and a half, by the way. He's over under Malik Willis. Malik Willis is nine and a half. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. We see a lot of him going at six, or some people even want to say he's going at two, which I I don't think so. I think we'll see. I think we'll see someone trade up into the top ten. It could be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you know, Mike Tomlin has has not been a secret that he likes Malik Willis, uh, maybe to be that next franchise quarterback in Pittsburgh. But no, on the thirty and a half with Ritter. That's a really hard number, man, because I think it, 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 this is where, you know, the odds makers know what they're doing because 
he is going to maybe go at that 32 pick, right? That's where the Detroit Lions pick at 32. That's where, you know, we've seen it in the past. Well, Malik uh, could go number two to Detroit. That's, 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 that's what, yeah. been a popular. If he doesn't, then Ritter maybe at the end. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the then thing. he'd that's be a good, the over. Yeah, but, that, but it's not even just the Lions, though. The Lions could trade back and, and a team wanting that quarterback, wanting that fifth-year option that's so valuable with a first-round pick, uh, you know, wanting to trade up and get, you know, get Ritter at the bottom of the first round. I think that's very possible. So that's why, you know, with what's going on, I would say this is over. I assume over means that he goes later than 30 yep. and a half um, because I, I just think that's kind of, it kind of seems like that's where he's going to go. If he goes in the first round is at the very bottom. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think Pickett. it seems like Pickett and Willis are more uh, thought about in NFL circles. Kyle Hamilton, the best safety in this draft, kind of a generational safety to be quite honest with you. Nine and a half over under on him. That is very tempting to take the under, considering yeah. how talented he it's is. It's plus one thirty too, so it's it's plus money. It's it's the underdog bet there. Um, yeah, I, I I think so. I think I think we're all just overthinking it a little bit. I think a team's going to be like, all right, this is Derwin James all over again. We saw Derwin James fall to number sixteen to the Chargers, obviously, or fifteen, whatever it was, ridiculously. Even though we knew at Florida State he was a heck of a player, he was going to be an, a, a star. For whatever reason, the safety position always gets undervalued in the draft. But I, I, I think teams, I, I would take the under just because I, you want to bet on teams, you know, not overthinking it, saying, hey, we're getting a really good player. We're getting a Derwin James type of impact at safety. Let's just take him, right? I, I think a team like the the Texans or even the Falcons, you know, a team that just needs talent without really regardless of position, that makes sense to me for them to pick. Now we'll look at a couple receivers that I know Chiefs fans are interested in. You hear about it all the time. Jamison Williams, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, these guys, if the Chiefs trade up. Here's uh, Jamison Williams' profile, then I'll give you his over-under. Jamison Williams, Alabama, wide receiver, 6'2", 189 pounds. Price rolls right and throws, complete Williams, Jamison midfield 50, and he's all the way in for a touchdown. After transferring to Alabama, Williams had a breakout season last year. 79 receptions, over 1,500 yards, and 15 touchdowns. But he tore an ACL in the national championship. Williams runs routes well and could be more than just a deep threat in the pros. Jamison Williams over unders 11 and a half. A lot of people that are that are mocking him, the Chiefs, like uh, Todd McShay, we're putting it at 17. The Chiefs trade to 17. We've seen the Chiefs Chief trade to 14 to get even some popular mocks, but. Vegas is saying 11 and a half for Jamison Williams. And I think there's a reason it's that, that number I am hammering the under here. It's especially because it is at plus plus one fifty. but here's the thing. I mean, Jamison Williams, if he so never you're saying got, Garrett Wilson goes before him, I'm saying Jamison Williams is probably the first pick in the of receivers okay. in the draft. I, right. I, I think we're going to get to that point. I think the whole off season, it was just the injury that everyone was, was kind of factored into their wide receiver rankings. But that's the thing, man, when you turn on the table, when you turn on the receivers in this class, Jameson Williams' speed is going to stand out, but he's not just a speed threat. He can do a lot of other stuff. He's just a great overall receiver. I think he's going to be a really good Z in the league. And I just think I think eventually teams are going to I, – I, I think you're starting to kind of hear it, man. I think you're starting to kind of hear a little bit that Jameson – and that's why this number is where it is. You know, I think a month ago it would have should have been maybe closer to 20. I think Jameson Williams will go close to the top 10. And I think Washington or the Jets at 10 makes sense for him. So he's your second receiver, Garrett Wilson? My 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 personal wide receiver one is Garrett Wilson, but to go in the draft, I would think it, it'd probably be Jameson Williams, then Drake London, then Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, Ohio State, wide receiver, six foot, one hundred ninety pounds. To the house goes Garrett Wilson. 
Again into the end zone on a 51-yard scoring play. Wilson has outstanding body control and ball skills and also excels after the catch. He had over 1,000 yards receiving, 13 total touchdowns, and 70 catches for the Buckeyes last year. At the NFL Combine, Wilson ran an official 4.38 second 40-yard dash. Here's the one thing about Garrett Wilson. All right, this Ohio State receiver room was pretty full. And the aforementioned Jamison Williams was part of that Ohio State receiving room before he moved to Alabama. Jamison Williams, great year with Alabama. The previous two years at Ohio State, 15 catches for less than 14 or 400 yeah. yards. I mean, the production wasn't there. He hits a transfer portal, heads to Alabama, has a huge year. A lot yeah. of people have big years at Alabama. A lot yeah. of people shine with that offense under under Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. But he transferred. Yeah. And Jackson Smith Enigma led that team by 600 yards in receiving, 600 more than Garrett Wilson. Yeah. More catches than any of them there. There's a chance he might have seen the field much at Ohio State because he might have been wide receiver number four, as talented as he is. Totally get that. But I, I do, you say that like a lot of guys at Alabama do go off at receiver. Yeah, you're right. But how many of them bust in the NFL? It seems like all of them by go the way, into his the over under is 10 and a half. Yeah, yeah. Garrett Wilson's is. Yeah. But for just real quick on Jameson Williams, just that I, Alabama receivers, they just seem to produce so they, they, they are safe prospects, it seems like. I know he transferred in there, but I think NFL teams are, are going to trust what they saw last year, Jameson Williams. And I, I do think he could be the first pick. So Garrett Wilson, though, I think you need to hammer the over 10 and a half here. I think he is going to slip a little bit. I don't think he's going to be a top 10 pick. Daniel Jeremiah has him as, his, I think, his fifth player overall, maybe his sixth player. I really like Garrett Wilson, too. I just think there are some things. He's just, you know, not the cleanest route runner. Uh, he's just, he's, he's kind of more of a, he's kind of a, a, an orthodox receiver in terms of how he gets open, how he plays. He's not necessarily the cleanest guy. And I, and I do think maybe that, that comes into factor. And I, I see him going past 11, in my opinion. And by the way, go back to Jamison Williams for a second. His first two years at Ohio State, four games he played, six catches. Second year, six games, nine catches. Yeah. Goes to Alabama, plays in the 15, 79 catches. Yeah. So that's what he did. And Garrett Wilson. No, tre- uh, no tread on the tires, man. Is getting a lot after that. You mentioned Drake London as well. He's your what, number two? Or Wide number- receiver two, yes. Just behind Garrett Wilson, ahead of Jameson Williams. Yeah. No, I, I, they, I have a tier, man. Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and Jameson Williams are all in that first tier to me. They're really okay. close to me. But I'm going to take Drake London's size, man. I'm going to take it over okay. to Jameson Williams. And what he's at ten and a half, right? I would, I would uh, Drake London is. I had him ten and a half. Yeah, ten yeah. and a half. I mean, Garrett Wilson's same thing. Yeah, I know, and that's where this is tricky because now you're thinking, well, because I could see Drake London going ten to the Jets. I think the Jets could really use a type of receiver like like him, um, and and maybe Jameson Williams goes even earlier than that. So I still, I this is a tricky one. I would probably bet over just on you know the probability wise um, because I I think just the overall amount of receivers in this class could push them all down right I think every team in the top ten could be like hey I could get a receiver later in the class why am I taking one now so that's why honestly all of these picks are probably smart to bet over the ten and a half eleven and, and Drake half London's my number two wide receiver going forward Drake London yeah Drake London USC six foot five two hundred ten pounds wide receiver throws back over the middle complete in the end zone it's a touchdown to london he's a former basketball player who knows how to use his frame at wide receiver last year he dominated against quality opponents before suffering a broken ankle despite playing only eight games in 2021 
London still recorded seven touchdowns with 88 catches for over 1,000 yards. He's a walking mismatch with few red flags and lots to like. Lots to like, Ron. Lots to like for uh, Drake London. That, ten and a half is yeah. his over-under. Yeah, that's, and, and that's why it's a good line because I, I'm telling you, that Jets at number 10, it makes a lot of sense for the Jets to want Drake London to help Zach Wilson out there. Unless for some reason they get Debo. Yes. But which, they could build up that absolutely wide receiver room is the case. with the Drake London yeah. and that because they have two early yeah. – they have two early first round picks and two early uh, second round, yeah. thirty five and thirty eight. Got a lot of capital, man. So they have a ton of draft capital. Yeah, and and the thing with London too, too is that he mentions the basketball background, the, the little the little you know the snippet we get. You know, it com- it comes to fruition, and it's and honestly, last year was the first time he was a full time football player. Did not play basketball at USC at the same time. I think that means something, man. He's finally making football the only sport he plays. He loves football. Exactly. We just heard it with Lucas. I mean, but, and I, I just think that could mean his, we could see him get even better as a football player because he hasn't been, he has been playing it part-time with basketball up until this point. That's pretty crazy to me. Another guy, a lot of people have been talking about is combine. One is, is kind to him is Trey Lumbergs. It's a guy that I liked before the season started a lot because of his size. It's the one thing, uh, the, the one knife in the drawer, the chiefs didn't have, but here's uh Traylon Burks that a lot of people are still mocking to the chiefs. And I know Chiefs fans are somewhat interested in Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks, 6'3", 225-pound wide receiver, Arkansas. Pass right side, Burks down the sideline, nobody's there, touchdown Arkansas! Traylon Burks tore his ACL as a high school senior, but came back in a big way in 2019 at Arkansas when he was named to the SEC All-Freshman team as a receiver and second-team All-SEC as a returner. Burke has excellent size at 6'3", 225 pounds, but also has versatility. Arkansas used him as an outside receiver, a slot receiver, a running back, and even as a Wildcat quarterback. There's your Debo comparison, basically, for one Traylon Burks. His over-under is 22 and a half. Yeah. I will go the over yep. on Traylon Burks because I think there is a real possibility he's there when the Chiefs pick. Well, I know, but I also think I like this number. Or the be- Packers because they pick 22 and 28 yeah. and they need receivers. I was going to say this number makes sense because at 22, I think it could make a lot of sense for the Packers to want Burks. But then also right at that 24, right on the other side of it, the Dallas Cowboys make a lot of sense to take Burks just because you know Jerry Jones, man. He wants to take that that flashy player. He's an Arkansas guy himself. I think I think that makes a lot of sense for them to take Burks, um, even if they need other positions, maybe a little more. They just traded away Amari Cooper because they have able receivers. Although they did lose uh, Cedric Wilson as well this offseason. so they they do have a little bit of receiver need. I think Traylon Burks goes in that late, that mid to late twenties, um, and he could even be a chief. He could even he could even go in that range as well. So I'd say over twenty two and a half. Another guy that uh, Chiefs fans really like, as far as the wide receiver position is concerned, and. That's uh, Chris Olave. Chris Olave yep. uh, from Ohio State University. Again, Ohio State just absolutely loaded at wide receiver. So much so that Jamison Williams even had the transfer from Ohio State. But Chris Olave, a lot of run coming in this year. And Gary Wilson was good, and everybody knew he was good. But Olave got all the run going into the season. Chris Olave, 6'1", 187 pounds. Wide receiver, Ohio State. Cuts inside to the five and gets into the end zone for an Ohio State touchdown, Chris Olave. A smooth and fluid receiver, Olave also features the top-end speed that makes him a threat anywhere on the field. His footwork helps create open space from defenders on both deep balls and curls, and he adjusts well to balls in the air. His lack of size and strength could hinder growth at the next level. He has average catching skills and could be more dangerous after the catch. 
<clears throat> Average catching skills was under 1,000 yards last year. Ohio State had two receivers over 1,000 yards. He was under. His over-under is 17 and a half. Yeah. I'll take the over because I think yep. it's going to be around 20. I think so, too. Yeah, I really see, I really think that that late teens, early 20s is where receivers could fly off the board. That's why I, I think it's it's smart maybe to take those overs on the Drake London, uh, Garrett Wilson's because it's over 10 and a half. I, I could see it. But, yeah, with Chris Olave, man, you talk about him potentially, you know, I, I don't think he'll follow the Chiefs. But if he did, I mean, you're sprinting the card to the podium because – I think he he offers you exactly what you need from the Chiefs right now in terms of speed, separation. Or are you concerned that he fell that far if you're the Chiefs? Well, yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely. But I think it would tell you that the rest of the NFL is just more excited, which I understand more excited about some of these other guys, like George Pickens, who we haven't talked about yet, even a Traylon Burks. You could see how maybe there's a higher ceiling for some of these. There's, you know, even a Christian Watson, honestly, you know, you can see how there might be a higher ceiling for some of these guys because Olave might kind of just be what he is, which is a really good receiver, a really good Z that's going to give you really good routes and, and give you touchdowns. And, and, you know, if he's a second or third option in an offense, I don't think he'll ever be a wide receiver one. And, and, that, and that might be why he slides. But at the same time, you insert him into a Chiefs offense that doesn't necessarily need a wide receiver one right now. Maybe, you know, maybe they're going by committee for now. I think he fits. I think he'd fit really well. And the guy that Chiefs fans have been talking about a lot is George Pickens. He visited the Chiefs. In my, he's got good size. In my opinion, he's the most physical receiver out of this group. I don't know if he's the best receiver because he hasn't played yeah. much. He only played five games last year. Barely played those. I mean, it's five catches yeah. or something like that because he tore his ACL in spring practice. I'll give him credit because he got back for the season and towards the end. I mean, they, they weren't some weren't expecting him to get back, but he got back. I'll give him credit for getting back the year before he only played eight games. But George Pickens, a guy that made a top 30 visit for the Kansas City Chiefs. George Pickens, six foot three, 200 pound wide receiver, Georgia. High hanger, far sideline in the end zone, caught. Touchdown, Pickens! Pickens played in just four games for the Bulldogs in their national title run after tearing his ACL in the spring of 2021. With his tall frame, Pickens is an ideal fit to play on the outside as an X receiver and isn't afraid to block downfield. Some scouts feel the 21-year-old still needs work on route run and also needs to improve his burst off the line of scrimmage. Some will say, Ron, that uh, out of all these receivers, he could be the one at the end of the year you look at and say, wow, he had the most yards, the most catches than anybody. Extremely physical. I am concerned about how he plays. Now, he did tear the ACL. He's back from that. Yep. Obviously, we had a full season with Georgia had he played. And when he did play, he had big, big-time numbers. Yeah. Big-time yards per catch numbers with Georgia when he played. But just limited games, 12 games for the last two years. It's averaging six a year, not a bunch. Very possible if he doesn't get hurt this year, he's the first receiver taken just because because that, that he's a highlight reel kind of player too, right? He, he yeah, he, you just mentioned he, he maybe maybe kind of inconsistent in terms of some of the the, the techniques of, of route running, the the kind of the precise and nuances of being a receiver. But then you see him jump over a dude and catch it one handed like it's nothing. You see him you know tip tap on the sideline and, and you know he's three feet in the air while he's doing it. I mean. That's that's the thing. He he is a flashy receiver at his size with that speed combination, that size speed combination. That's why he's he's so intriguing for everybody. That's why that we we kind of you know it's so exciting to think about him in a Chiefs uniform because he does seem to be maybe the highest ceiling receiver in this class. But there's also a reason that we may not even see him go in the first round. Depending on who you ask, he could slip you know pretty far. He could have a, a you know a, a slip to the second round or even maybe even further from what you hear from some people because. The injury history you mentioned, but also there is there is some things with 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 character concerns. Just because you see him, he, he's gotten uh, you know kicked out of games, ejected from games. 
um, and practices. He's gotten some things. So, and I think that is actually why you've seen the Chiefs meet with him so diligently. You've seen at the combine it was reported pre-draft visit top 30 you just mentioned the chiefs really like to do their homework on these kind of guys and you can tell that that's maybe kind of the reason is because there could be some character things the chiefs want to iron that out because if they're going to pick a guy in the first round knowing the chiefs knowing this this organization they want to make sure they're not you know they're they're not uh making a you know a mistake or anything character wise they're willing to make that mistake later in the draft i think but pickens is going to have to be maybe be taken in the first round depending on what's going on and so they want to kind of evaluate whether they should take that swing or not. So it's interesting. Uh, text line's asking us before we move on about Jacari uh, Robertson from Wake Forest. Yes, so he's Wake... a guy that did visit the Chiefs. Yes, he did. Top 30 visit with the Chiefs. Uh, what do you think of him? Well, I, I don't know what much about him. What round do you think of him? Yeah, he, he's definitely a late round priority free agent. I, I I will say, I'll be honest, I don't know much about him. I you know I can't look at it. over 1,000 yards, Robertson. He did. He was a stud at Wake Forest. Yes, exactly. And, and that's the thing. You honestly, in those late rounds, find guys that have been productive in college because, because, you know, you've already, you know, the guys that are, they show four, the traits. Four, three, by the way. Yeah. Well, there you go. Six, eight, eight, three cone. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, that's a, that's a very good number. Um, we talked about receivers, you know, anything below seven seconds is a good number for any position, obviously. Um, yeah. So that's, that's really good, but yeah, no, that's the thing. It, it's all about at, at later in those rounds, you want to find guys that have been productive in college because they have experience. They, they're, they're guys that have caught a lot of balls and are going to be able to come in and you know, and show something, you know, take the traits earlier in the draft, take the really good traits, you know, take the speed, take the stuff if they're not the most polished receiver. But, you know, a guy like that makes a lot of sense and maybe in the seventh round. We'll get to mock 4.0, second round. We get the first round earlier, but second round is going to be uh, highly contested or maybe Ron will like it. Not sure. He'll grade it next. And welcome back to the Chiefs draft special. Jay Binkley with lead analyst, DarylHeadPride.com. Ron Cop, give a follow on Twitter at Ron underscore Cop, K O P P, and the great Julio Sanchez on a Thursday night once again, as he's been with me on Thursday night for years, 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 We're old decades, just about. So Mach 4.0 is out. Check it out, 610sports.com. First round, Arnold and Acadia at 29, and then 30 was Christian Watson or Sky Moore, depending on who's there. They might both be there, but. Uh, then you flip a coin and you decide which one you want. If you want the taller receiver, you want the route runner in Sky more. Uh, round two, I have the Chiefs trading up. I have them trading up with the Jets. Um, they have two uh, two third round or two second round picks, uh, thirty five and thirty eight, because they have two early first round picks. And I was like, yeah, it's hard to find trade partners because if they really worry about you and they're in the AFC, they may not trade yeah. with you. They may not. 100%. I mean, I think there's some teams who will like Houston because I think they're going to get their right. butt kicked by everybody. So I don't think they <laughs> yeah. they care. But you find a team like the Vikings or Cardinals or somebody like that, and you say, can we do business with you? Or the Cowboys, somebody like that. But I have them trading up because I value this position. And I know most mocks you see, some of them have them in the first round, but a lot of them have them going 33, 34, 35, 36, top of the second round when the run on safeties begins because yeah. that's what he does. Daxton Hill, six foot, one hundred ninety-two pounds, safety, Michigan. Wolf back to throw, steps up, throws, ball is intercepted. Dax Hill. Hill is a bone-crushing safety that spent more than two seasons roaming the secondary in Ann Arbor. Praised for his on-field versatility, the Tulsa native can help stop the run or drop back in pass coverage. Hill led the Wolverines in passes defended and interceptions in 2021 and ran a blazing 4-3-8 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine. 
He's an absolute freak. He was the Oklahoma Gatorade Player of the Year. He's brothers of Justice Hill. He yes. plays for the Ravens. He's yes, his, running back. His brother. At Michigan, he second on the team in tackles last year. Let him in passes defended. Interceptions. Runs a 4-3-8. Played a lot of nickel. They switched defensive yep. coordinators. He ran a lot of nickel corner. He's in, he's a safety by trade, a safety in the draft. But some some AFC scouts said he could be a full-time corner yes. in the National Football League. But his athleticism jumps off the charts with you. And also, using the terms bone crusher. <laughs> is some, I know we like Lewis Seen for that. I was but Dak Hill can hit you too. I was gonna say seems more the bone crusher to me, but uh, I, I I see I see where he'll you know where he could be that because he is explosive man in short areas you know his, his testing numbers showed that as we talked about with Thor earlier, but he he is really good test a really good athlete and his versatility is what really makes him an intriguing pick for the Chiefs because hey let's be honest the Chiefs could use any sort of secondary member you know in my opinion you know yeah, safety, some people say what are you doing getting safety well they get they still got Thornhill here and Justin Re- they, there is one safety on the roster signed past twenty two this is this is an addition this is. Yes. Getting some because they use Sorensen all the time. This is a better version of that. They are in the three safety set a lot and in very important situations in the defense. Some of the most important plays of the game, they are in their dime defense with And he plays nickel sets. more than Justin Reed. Justin Reed does yes. play that, but he only had sixty five snaps at that last year. Just yeah. Justin Reed is better Dex at the had a ton of nickel uh, of uh of yes. opportunities he'll last play, year. Yeah, he'll play 70% of his snaps in his in this last year in the slot at Michigan. 70% of his defensive snaps came in the slot. He is definitely a better slot defender, in my opinion, than Justin Reed is. Justin Reed should definitely be used more in a, a true safety role, a free safety or a strong safety role rather than a true slot corner. And that's the difference between him and Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew could man up in the slot and just be a corner. And, and that's what was so special about him is he was so versatile. I don't think Reed is that same level of versatility getting a guy like Daxton Hill who can play because he can play those free safety and strong safety positions as well. In my opinion, we didn't see it as much as some of these other guys in the draft, but he has the athleticism to do it. The ball skills to do it. Yeah. I think Daxton Hill because of his versatility makes a lot of sense for the chiefs to pick. And this value right here, after you already took your receiver and edge, Perfect, man. I, 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 this is a great draft. B plus. That was last week, Jay. I'm going into the A's. Oh, I'm going man, into like the that. A's. Yeah, because you got a versatile yes. defensive back that we needed. Yeah. And also in the second round, I know you're gonna like this name as well. I had him in the second round last week. Moved him back a little bit because I think he'll probably gonna be mid to late second round. And that name is Logan Hall, six six two eighty three from the University of Houston. Um, violent player. When you see him, he wants to punish you. Yeah. And I know you called Daxon Hill there. They, they called him the, the Foxman, yet they're called him a bone crusher. Um, this is a dude with six sacks last year, 13 tackles, plays the three, the four eye, and the yeah. five. It's reason, big reason why uh, all but one team was at the Houston Pro Day. Yep. And that was the Rams because they're not doing any of this stuff for some reason. And he had a nice senior bowl. But Logan Hall is a guy that uh, I know you've done some research on. Yes. No, honestly, uh, you know, I've, I've dug into him a little bit. I'm, I'm going to dig it into him more for sure. But one thing that, that kind of strikes me is, is he does remind me of Chris Jones and, and in the good and the bad. And in terms of a lot of people want to put him at edge in the NFL. He's, a, you know, you mentioned 6'6", 283 uh, was what he weighed in at. I really think that's a mistake. I, I, I think he needs to be used as a Chris Jones type in terms of a penetrating three-tech or a five-tech, uh, obviously, in the base three-four. I don't see him as a, as a true 4-3 D-end. And I know, you know, I, I know it's, lines are so versatile nowadays. I don't know how much it truly matters what alignment you're going to play in your base formations. 
But I do think he's too much of a tweener for me for the Chiefs defense. I think I'd rather see a guy that maybe is a little more of an edge, uh, but you already got edge in the first round. So that's why I like this swing because I, th- I do think he's a really See, disruptive both, player. I, think. I mean, it's, they, they like the guys. Like of course. Chris Jones, they put him inside, outside. Of course. But Turk, you, they like the inside and outside. You mentioned Chris Jones, though. That is what, because we didn't, I didn't like Chris Jones at edge last year. Did you? Did you like to he see? He was better inside. Yes. And, and so I think I, I, because you watch Logan Hall, there was a game last year against Texas Tech uh, that he played primarily edge, and I got Chris Jones at edge vibes, which I didn't like. I, I like the guy. If he's explosive for an interior defender, does not necessarily mean he's going to be explosive as an edge defender. All that all that said, I, I've said it all, and I said this last week too, but all that said, you're picking him at 62, not picking him at 38 like last week. I think 62 is good value for this kind of swing because he does have traits to be a Chris Jones type of pass rusher from the interior but Chris Jones are so unique and so rare, man. So I, I don't want to like, you're not getting Chris Jones for sure. And that's the problem. Cause he, he I do think he is more of a volatile player um, than, than, you know, than we'd like to think. I guess. Before we get to edge in our next segment, my third round pick is I traded one of them away so I can get up and get Daxon Hill, which yes. I'm fine with. Yes, you are. So I ask you this, this guy right before we take a break and that's third round. First guy is a cornerback from the university of Nebraska, Cam Taylor Britt. Um, Yahoo did an all juice team like Therese used to do in tribute to Therese Paler. Two of my guys made that juice team. Arnold Abacady was on that team, and so was Cam Taylor Britt, the cornerback from Nebraska, who's the three-year captain for that team. The guy was all over the place. We talked to any Husker fan. They will remember Cam Taylor Britt. Yes. Yeah, I know. He's got the versatility again. I, I, you know, he's a guy that was all over the defense for them in his, in his entire Nebraska career. Uh, you know, played some safety at first. It kind of transitioned more to a corner. Another as, one as of those went. guys that does both. Yeah, exactly. And, and man, you, you see why he was a safety at first. It, it still is in his play in terms of his, his hit, you know, hard hitting, his physical, uh, you know, his aggressiveness. Um, and, and he's kind of a bigger corner. But all that said, he's also a pretty dang good athlete for that size. And that's why you're going to see him go high and like a third round pick. I, I think you could even see him in the second round potentially. Um, so getting him as a value here, I like that. He's, he's my cornerback 11, just outside the top 10. Um, I, I, I like guys like Kobe Bryant, Martin Emerson, a little more, just a little more, right. but it's close. I know you close. like Emerson quite a bit. But anyway, we'll take a time and we come back. We'll look at some of these edge defenders before getting your questions. Don't forget 913-576-7610, Jay Southland, um, uh, toe service text line. You're listening to our draft special brought to you by Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. You're listening to Bink's NFL Draft Special on 610 Sports Radio, brought to you by Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. Final couple segments of the uh, Chiefs Draft Special. I'm Jay Binkley with Ron Kopp, lead analyst over at ArrowheadPride.com, and Julio Sanchez. Brought to you by Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. Ron Edge, and I know that going into this draft, which is next Thursday, and I can't wait, I said, you've got to get wide receiver. This is before they brought in the MBS and Juju. But I'm still staying with the Edge, and I've stayed with that yeah. in the mocks because you got to find a way to get the quarterback. And I would say this, in the Chiefs room, team in the locker room, the wide receiver room is better than the edge room at this point. Well, of course. Yeah, and this yeah. is where you can bring that up. <laughs> yes, there are only three defensive ends on the roster that have proven themselves as NFL players, not even starters, just players. Uh, Frank Clark. I mean, Kando hasn't proven himself, I guess. So Frank Clark and Mike Dane are really the only two actual capable um, NFL players that we know of. Joshua Kando is still a work in progress, although he did play a little bit last year. So, But, yeah, that's, that's the only three. Um, and Frank Clark, we just saw his contract kind of rework this year. 
where it looks like they could get out of it pretty easy next year. So all that to say, they have a need in the short term and the long term for edge rusher. And so that's where it gets really interesting. Before we go, how how many would you get? Would you get one of 20 or 30 and then go again at it and the fourth or the third? Exactly. How many are you getting? Yeah, I think think you have to. I I think you should double up, in my opinion. I'm doubling up. I'm going 29. I'm going in the second round. Yeah, exactly. In the second round, yeah. And you did. You went uh, Ebiketti and Logan Hall. Logan Hall was, you know, it's. But yes. again, I'm going to, and I went to PD at the defensive yes. tackle later. So I, yes. went, I went heavy defense. He's an explosive player. For I went sure. heavy defense. Yeah, but no, I, I think I think it's a perfect lead into kind of my idea for right now is just that I think there's a, these double up opportunities and you have to play them the right way. I don't think you get two of the same type of player. I don't think you get two huge dudes. They don't have much pass rush juice. I don't think you get two guys that only have, you know, that, that, that speed, that pass rush around the outside, but can't hold a, an edge. I think you did it great. I think you got Ibikiti in the first round, and then you come back and get Logan Hall in the second round, a, a much bigger guy that's going to be a physical presence. I just wanted to get one of them. Yeah, like I draft that because, but then usually they, get, they don't. Yeah, and then they get two of them. So I, I like it. So, so I, Mahomes, they did. So I think other ways to do that. I, I think you know, David Ojaba makes a lot of sense for doubling up, right? Because you're not getting anything from him right away. You have to get another edge rusher, and so I think uh, unless you know, he proved, he'll be fine. It, and, it was it was only a month ago though. I mean, I, it's, yeah, is it his pro day towards Achilles? Yeah, which, they have they have history with that yeah. injury. I know, no, it, it's gotten crazy how quickly people. But they get need back. production right away. Yeah, but like a, a guy like you pick David a job on the first round. Well, maybe you come back around and pick a guy like Joshua Pascal, the Kentucky edge rusher, a guy that I really come around on as. You know, he's not going to be the most exciting pick. A guy that's not going to come in and, and give you a ton of flash plays. But, man, he's going to be a really solid player on the edge. You know, definitely a thick body, a thicker dude. Not the not the tallest dude, not the longest dude. Played in the SEC. Kind so. of a Mike Dana type of player where you're going to get really solid play. You know, he's going to use his leverage really well to, to hold up against blocks and, and, and make plays. But, yeah, he, he's not going to be the most, you know, exciting edge rusher or anything. But if you get a guy like Ojabo... You pair him with a guy like Pascal that's more solid, and then you get the pass rush upside with Ojabo. Another one, you you said you got Abiketti in your mock draft. I think pairing him later with a guy like Cameron Thomas makes a lot of sense too. The San Diego State. It's a guy that I mocked early on. Yes, you I, did. I really like him. I mean, you've seen fluctuations from the first round. People have backed off that. Yeah. The second round, maybe get him in the third round. I've mocked him to the Chiefs. I really like him. I, I like Logan Hall a little bit better. That's why I went that direction. Yeah. Because of the versatility and Cam Thomas, one of these guys that plays inside and outside, yeah. even though he did lead FBS in pressures last year, he did. Yeah, no, he's a guy that I wasn't super impressed with as a potential pick at twenty nine or thirty because I just didn't think he dominated at that level like like a first round pick probably should in the Mountain West. Even though he did lead the, the league in pressures, which when I watch him, I don't I don't necessarily see that kind of domination. Um, and you know that's the thing. You watch certain games, maybe other games, he's just completely you know unblockable. So that's the thing. Now that he's a, a late second, maybe even a third round pick, great value. And I, I love that value, especially if you're going to get a guy like Abe Katie first. Then you come back and get a Cameron Thomas. But then what if you go the other way? What if you get a guy like Karloftis first, right? You get a guy that's more solid, you know, more, you know, you can throw in right away. And then you take a swing on a guy like Nick Bonito, the Oklahoma edge rusher who, man, he has some juice, man. He is, I mean, he's a really light guy. That's why he's, he's probably, you know, he's, he's a guy that probably doesn't even fit in the defense. He's going to be more of a Sam linebacker in, in a Spagnola type of some defense. Some people have liked him more than anybody in the draft. Like, he's gotten that kind of run from some people. His pressure rate was insane last year at Oklahoma. And the Big 12, you know, that's a different story. You know, the Big 12 is, is you know, in terms of, of how 
how uh, how spread out it is, how many op- passing opportunities you get. You know, it's just kind of it's not the same level of talent as, as the SEC maybe necessarily. But, yeah, he's a guy that, you know, if the Chiefs really want to take a swing on someone with pass rush juice, it makes sense. Another the, another guy, though, I, I want to throw out is Dominique Robinson, the Miami of Ohio edge rusher. You know, he might project more in the same kind of way where he might be more of a 3-4 outside linebacker. But at the same time, man, he, he does have some pretty good length. He, he's, he's obviously a guy that, that has some pretty good size. He's about 6'4", 255. And I just think for you know, maybe, maybe a later, you know, third or so round pick, man, he could, he could really be a, you know, a guy that, that's more of a project, more of a, you know, a, a high upside guy. But he could give you some juice off the edge. And, and again, pairing it with a guy like George Karloftis, you kind of get the best of both worlds. So I really like the Chiefs' opportunity to double up. I think they have a lot of different ways they could go about it. I, I like the doubling up thing. Mm-hmm. Because to me, you know, Caden Doe's still here. And last year was kind of a red shirt year for him. Yeah. Yeah, you'd hope so. And they can't afford, I don't think, the red shirt anybody this year. Yeah. It's got to be somebody, I guess you see the potential in, but somebody can throw in a rotation because there will be a defensive line rotation from the Chiefs this year. Yeah. Well, so, so and that's the thing. They could also wait a little bit because there are some later round guys that they could maybe uh, pick up on that, that, I, that I really like. And one guy that, that stands out to me is Michael Clemens, the Texas A&M defensive end. We've talked about him a little bit. You like uh, those Texas A&M defensive linemen. Well, man, you, I, I want to watch DeMarvin Leal. I don't get excited about DeMarvin Leal, the defensive tackle, the three-tech. I, I try to get excited about him. And all I keep seeing is this guy, Michael Clemens, making plays, being a really solid player on the edge, a guy that's especially a good size, man. He's about 6'5". He's one of the bigger uh, ends in the class. Um, and he just seems like a really solid player, a guy that in the fourth or fifth round, you're taking him and you feel like you can maybe put him in right away. So that's why if the Chiefs do want to take a swing on Ojabo earlier or another guy that's maybe more high ceiling, even if they wait a little longer, I think guys like Michael Clemens, even Alex Wright, the UAB edge, uh, defensive end who will go middle rounds, didn't really test that well, but just such a huge dude and, and should be able to come in and, and eat up snaps. Yeah, I like him too. And here's the thing with Georgia. People ask me about Georgia guys all the time, but the problem is, when you have Trayvon Walker and Devontae Wyatt and Nicobe Dean and Lewis Seen, and you look at all the talent they have on defense and Jordan yeah. Davis, I mean, yeah. go on and on. That team is loaded on defense. You say, well, is this player good? Well, that defense was legendary in Georgia. Right. Were they good all as a unit, or were they good? Did some people stand out or not, or did some people benefit? Yeah. The Kobe Dean, the linebacker, did he benefit from having a kick-ass defensive line? I, I would think so, right? And and he did, but he also made those plays, and he also w- did fly all over the field. So, but no, you're right, I, and I think that's where you, like a Jordan Davis conversation comes into play. I mean, people say, oh, he couldn't get on the, he wasn't playing all three downs for Georgia. Why would they have him on the field when they have they can have fresh legs and, and guys like Jalen Carter, Devontae Wyatt in the game who are a little more explosive, obviously, than Jordan Wyatt or I mean Jordan Davis. So it's just kind of funny, you know. It, it's so easy to see that that's why he wasn't utilized as much. And it's why he could maybe be under uh, undervalued in the draft. So. Here's the thing, Ron. We've seen so many of these these trade ups for a Jameson Williams or Chris Olave. We have not. Are you, are you surprised at all? We haven't seen a trade up for Edge. And I think this is kind of an indictment on the Edge position, as I mentioned to you before. Eighteen of the top twenty sackers last year were first round picks. Yes. I mean they're loaded it, because I've always felt like you can get quality Edge sitting where they are because typical years you would see more Chiefs trade up for edge than wide receiver. This year, it's the other way around. It's trading up for receiver instead of edge, which I think is a real indictment kind of on the depth of the position early on. Now, as a whole, it's it's, it's deep. Top but, heavy, no. Yeah, I will say, I, I will say, I, I think it's more the mock, the mocking part, not seeing a lot of mock drafts with trades up for edge. I think it's just more about the excitement of it, right? When you're when you want to trade up for somebody, you want to trade up for that big quarterback or that that big play receiver. So maybe that's all that is. 
Because I do think if a guy like Jermaine Johnson falls into the top 15 or, you know, into that 15 range, if a guy, you know, somehow Thibodeau falls into that range, you know, you trade up for that guy. And I think, the, I think the chiefs would, I, I, I think so. I think Brett Veach is aggressive enough and understands the value of, of, of that position, especially where he's at right now. I definitely think a Jermaine Johnson, you know, I, I really like him. I think he's going to be a guy you throw in right away and gives you, you know, really good starting snaps all the way up until the end of his rookie deal. Um, but, but a guy like Thibodeau, man, that might, in my opinion, he's the best pass rusher in the class. And it seems like he's slipping a little bit. Those are two guys that you really think about moving up for if they slip too much. I wouldn't move up for a guy like uh, George Karloftis or, you know, a, a Trayvon Walker if he falls for whatever reason, although it seems like he may go number one overall. I just wouldn't trade up for those guys. I don't know. I, I really, I, the two guys I'd really want to trade up for that if they slipped and they realistically could a little bit are Thibodeau and Jermaine Johnson. So I, those are the two names if you're the Chiefs, a circle, uh, circle right now if you're going to move up for anybody. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, we come back. We'll look at the, they'll take your questions. 913 576 7610, the J Southland Toe Service text line. When we wrap the Chiefs draft special up, but we're coming back next week. Talk about that next. You're listening to Bink's NFL Draft Special on 610 Sports Radio, brought to you by Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. And welcome back to our Chiefs Draft Special, brought to you by Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. Jay Binkley with Ron Kopp, the lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com, and Julio Sanchez. Let's go to the phone lines now at 913-576-7610. Let's go to Lee Summit, talk to Mario. What's up, Mario? Hey there, Bink. I enjoy listening to your show. Love your passion for the draft and for football. It greatly enjoy you. Thank you. Unfortunately, I didn't get to hear all of it because I had to work late, and so I didn't get to hear everything. But uh, if I wanted to see if I could get a recap of your uh, uh, picks, and then also I wanted to ask you, I know a lot of people saying trade up. Me personally, my, my opinion is I would like to see the Chiefs stand pat or, if anything, trade back maybe the 30th and trade back into the upper second round and pick up an extra early third. I know I'm greedy. That might sound greedy, but <laughs> no, it I doesn't. But I just like, I don't, and I'm going to give you a reason why. One, I, don't get me wrong, I'm not bashing Veach, but we haven't fared too well when we traded up and, and gave up additional draft capital for guys like Hardman or Speaks or whoever, 90 and guys like that. I just feel like if, when you trade up, you can't just trade up for guys that are just, you know, Guys, they got to be difference makers. And if they're not difference makers, in my opinion, I don't see the point of giving up extra draft capital because I I hate looking back at a draft and saying, man, we could have had that guy. We could have had that guy. We But we took this guy. You know, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but, hey, that's what the scouts get paid for. So if you can't find me no players, then I guess I need to find some new scouts is the way I look at it. But, <laughs> good stuff, Mario. I, you know. Hey, Mark, you can listen to the podcast if you want to. We had a lot of good draft content early yes, on with Thor yes. Nystrom, uh, draft analyst, and also Josh Edwards. But uh, thank, thank you for calling in. You know, last year in the second round, they did have success because Orlando Brown trade, when they did trade him to the Ravens, they got back a second-round pick. Remember, Veach wanted second and third-rounders last year. Got Nick Bolton. So the second round last year, you got Creed Humphrey, Nick Bolton, and, and Trey Smith. Last year's draft was a home run for the Kansas City Chiefs. No other way to look at it, in my opinion, than an A. Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing. I, I think he made a great point is that if you don't feel like you're getting a difference maker by trading up in the first round, then, yeah, don't don't just go get somebody just because they're going to go higher than, than you're going to be able to pick them if you don't think they're going to be a true difference maker. That's why a name really only Kayvon Thibodeau 
and Jermaine Johnson. Now, Jer- Johnson, I-, I will say, you know, maybe he's not the highest ceiling guy. He might just be a really solid player, and maybe you don't trade up for that. So, you know, I, I could see why maybe you don't trade up in this class because the top of the class just isn't as impressive as other years, and, and maybe that's the... Usually top 10, he's saying. Yeah, maybe we already know. It's a good, good draft. Yeah. A deep draft, in my opinion. The top 10... Eh. So and, and that is why maybe and there's and going to be duds. There really is. And I agree with Mario. You know, hey, let's. I I would probably stand pat in the first round, and then I would rather trade up in the second for a guy that we really like. You know, we talk about some of those safeties going. Like trading back for more picks, I don't think they're in the market to do that. Yeah, they already have twelve. Yeah, unless you're trading for twenty twenty three picks or something. But yeah, you you just don't have enough, or you you have enough already. But yeah, so I I don't, I don't see necessarily trading back from twenty nine or thirty. I'd say say put, but then yeah, I like the idea of trading up from the bottom of the second or even the third round too. So great stuff. And on draft night, I'll be here uh, live next Thursday during the whole draft. The state will, I don't know, ten eleven, whatever the first round's over, we'll be here. And then of course uh, Saturday as well, going to be a full five or six hour show, whatever it is. The last day of the draft's always fun. We're from the draft picks and everything else. Thanks to Thor Nystrom, NBC uh, Sports Edge, for joining us talking draft. And Josh Edwards from CBS uh, Sports Talking Draft. And also Lucas Cruel, the uh, Mill Valley, former Mill Valley tight end that went to Florida and then the University of Pittsburgh got passes from Kenny Pickett. It was great stuff. Did a great interview. Thanks to you as always, Ron. Always yeah. enjoy you coming in. No, I appreciate you, Jay. No, this is fun. And we're only a week away now. I mean, it's, this is kind of this kind of felt like the jumping off point. So I'm glad. I'm glad. Julio Sanchez did a great job producing the operation. I will see you tomorrow between 10 and 2. Good night.